For those of you that are wondering, Pastor Chris and those who went to Jerusalem, I mean went to Israel, are in Jerusalem this morning. They drove into Jerusalem. I think they spent the morning on the Sea of Galilee, and then they drove into Jerusalem. So that's pretty cool, right? It's a good way to start uh, Sunday morning. Um, all right. Now, uh, Chris has been announcing this for a couple of weeks, but we have Pastor Mike Abate and his wife Rosa from Calvary Chapel, LeBaron, Mexico with us. And so if you guys want to come on up. Now, these, these are the, the folks that we went and spent some time with in December down in Mexico and served the body there in LeBaron. And so um, what I've asked Mike to do this morning is to tell us a little bit about a couple of opportunities that they have coming up in LeBaron. And then uh, afterwards, after service today, Mike and Rosa have made themselves available to stay uh, and answer questions and do a Q&A with you guys if you have questions. Because one interesting thing, uh, and Mike can tell you more about that during the Q&A, is that LeBaron, Mexico is an FLDS community. Um, and so um, they were very surprised when a group of Christians from Utah came to their <laughs> FLDS community. Come on. So uh, it, needless to say, it, it was a, I think it was a blessing uh, on, on both ends. And so, uh, Mike, go ahead and just share for a couple minutes about the opportunities there. You know, it's dangerous to give a pastor a mic. <laughs> so, yeah, sit down. <laughs> um, anyway, let me start by thanking you. Thanking you for having us come here and visit with you all. And thank you for sending a team down to LeBaron to minister and serve alongside of us. You guys are a blessing to us. That said, how many of you here today are called to share your faith with others? Let me see your hands. Come Everybody. on. All hands Come should on. be up. Come on. Come on. Okay. You have, you, any, anybody have family that's unsaved? Anybody have neighbors that's unsaved? Anybody have enemies that are unsaved? Okay, okay, all right. Well, this is a verse for you. <laughs> this is a verse for you out of Revelation. Now, don't worry that it's out of sequence, okay? We're not getting technical this morning. But this is a verse in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. They're for every believer. Now then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they... You overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Okay? This is the verse for all believers. Okay? So embrace it. Lay hold of it. And 
I'm praising God that you guys. I I I love that song. Oh, Spirit, come, Spirit, come, because we need the power of the Holy Spirit, day by day, moment by moment, step by step. And if you will just trust Him, He will give you exactly the words to say, when to say them, and when to keep your mouth shut. Because sometimes, a lot of times, people just need to see that in this world that we're living in today that is such a mess, as in the times of Noah, okay, that you have peace and joy and grace on your face, in your eyes, and in your heart. And people will ask, you don't need to be preachy. You don't need to thump your Bible or anything else. Just let them see that you have a joy. And they're like, why are you guys all so happy all the time? You know, why are you not freaking out over what's going on in government and all over the world and all these wars and all these earthquakes, yada, 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 okay? Jesus is coming soon. But Jesus himself said that the word will be preached throughout the world and then the end will come. So don't be standing out on a mountaintop shouting, Maranatha, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. He's going to come quickly enough. Okay, he will. Trust him. Only his father knows when he's coming, but you can bet he's coming quickly. And just be prepared by occupying, staying busy, doing what he's commissioned us all to do until he comes. It's okay if we're surprised a little bit when we hear the, the trumpet sound and the angel call and all of a sudden we begin to rise. Okay? It's okay. Just be focused on the one last person. You might be the one who's sharing with that one last person when the Lord says, come up, come on up. That said, we have plenty of opportunities, if you don't have enough here, or even if you do, we'll give you a good practicum to come on down to LeBaron and share uh, with our community, okay, and, and, and with our believers and with the unbelievers. Our youth is doing a tremendous work. The Lord is raising them up, and they're doing a tremendous, tremendous work within the community. They are the evangelists right now. And we're just really blessed for that. I'm going to let Rosa share with you a little about the details of what's coming up this summer and again about our Christmas outreach. Here, here's Rosa. Okay. Well, um, thank you again for having us. Uh, we have opportunities all year long. So if you say, I have two weeks off and I don't know what to do with myself and the Lord puts Calvary Libera on your heart, call us. So all year long, there's opportunities. But the summer is the most important. In the summer, there's a program that we do starting the second week of July for uh, young people to come and do an internship to uh, learn about missions. Okay? That internship is actually a three-week internship. But not everybody has to do the whole three weeks. 
that the youth that want to do the whole three weeks, but we're really blessed to have them because it's one week of intensive on missions, and we have lots of good teachers for that would come through surrounding areas. And then the second week, they help put the youth retreat together okay, for, the, for the community. And then the third week is BBS. Now, we don't do a BBS for a whole five days. We only do it three days. Now, we are, uh, like the pastor was saying, in a FLDS community. I was raised there. I was raised in an L FLDS family, okay? So anybody has questions, I know there's all over Utah here. Please come ask, you know, after. Uh, however, the Lord does save us, okay, from uh, the FLDS. <laughs> you know, save us and, and uses it. And it's happening in our community. Our community is primary language English. So our BBS is English, and it's our biggest outreach to our community, our FELDS community, all year long. It's our, our largest one because there's large families, as you know, and all the families come back down from the states to work. Uh, they've been working over there, come for the summer. And so the parents are calling and finding out through social media, when is the BBS going to be on? And we can sign up 100 children in one week, okay? that we need missionaries to help, especially this year because a couple of assistant pastor and his family are not gonna be available this summer. Uh, so it's very uh, beautiful to be able to come down and help with this and please pray about that. That only takes a week because we do have preparation, okay? So that would be a week mission. If there's students that wanna come back for the three weeks, that's awesome too. But we need that BBS. It's very close to my heart. This year, we will not have it if we don't have missionaries come and help. Do so ask the Lord. Do you see? have dates? Yeah. We have the dates or the last three weeks of July, which is going to be right around the 26, 27, 28. The last three, the last Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of July. Okay? Those are the last, the so BBS. Yeah. But we would like you there by Monday for prep. Monday, Tuesday, for prep, and then the three three days of BBS, yeah? And then Saturday is cleanup day. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what we're all about. Thank you so much. Also, I understand from talking with Pastor Dave uh, yesterday that the uh, Vacation Bible School materials that we use, they come to us after they're used at, at Calvary Chapel, West Houston, okay? They send their used materials down to us and we reuse them again. So Dave remembers that because he used to be over there. So anyway, uh, it's the Answers in Genesis material that I understand you all are using here. So whoever is engaged with uh, Vacation Bible School, uh, you're, you're a prime candidate. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I think um, Chris mentioned the potential of in July for the VBS portion of this um, making a... Uh, church mission trip potentially availability of doing something like that. If the Lord is stirring your heart for any of these things you've heard about, an internship, going down for VBS, get your passport. That's step one of faith. Get your passport. Beyond that, pray and see what the Lord does. And it's a great opportunity to go down. Also, uh, Mike didn't mention it, maybe later when they're here, they have opportunities. They have a, uh, is it K through 12? K through 12 school that, uh, they need teachers to come in. So again, if you have a week off and you say, hey, I can do that, um, you can go down and teach um, sort of whatever subject you're comfortable in. They Let can me say something briefly about that, if, if I could. 
very briefly. Very briefly. Um, the K through 12 school is in jeopardy of uh, not continuing because our assistant pastor and his wife, who have been the primary uh, directors behind that, may be leaving to the states so that he can accomplish his American citizenship. Okay, uh, and if that happens, we may have to shut down the school because we don't have adequate people uh, to oversee that and keep it going. So if that is something that uh, tugs at your heart, please uh, let us know. And please pray about that because we're praying that God will raise up someone from one of our sister churches to come alongside and keep that going. That is a huge outreach to the community. All right, well, let's, let's uh, take a moment. We'll pray for Mike and Rosa in the ministry there. But Father, we do lift up uh, Mike and Rosa and just the, the church at Calvary LeBaron and the various ministries, the school. And Lord, you provide. It is your church. It's your, it's your community. It's your um, body of believers. And so we ask that you would just raise someone up or that uh, David and Lydia can get all the paperwork situation done rapidly, Lord, and just keep this, the school going. It's a place where kids are, are hearing your word and they're um, learning about you. And we pray for the VBS and just the need for workers and servants over the summer that you would just stir hearts to come down and help out. And God, if there's anyone here in this body of believers that is just feeling stirred, God, I pray that fear would not be something that gets in the way and they would just put their trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, thanks, guys. Again, after service, we'll have a little Q&A. All right. We have a Bible study. Open your Bible up to 2 Kings chapter 18. And now I'm going to give you just a little bit of background and then we're going to roll because we got to get through two chapters today. Okay? You can do it. See? No one's laughing at me. <laughs> I'll hold you here till noon, okay? <clears throat> no, Israel, uh, at this time, Israel has been broken up into two nations. Remember, after Solomon, his son, I believe it was Rehoboam, uh, rebelled, and the nation broke up. And, and ten of the tribes, of the twelve tribes, went uh, and were referred to as the northern kingdom of Israel, and they were called Israel. Two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, were referred to as the southern tribe of Judah. So you have the northern tribe of Israel, or northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern kingdom of, of Israel has, on record, there is no king who was godly. They were all wicked. They were all following after idol worship and doing the things they shouldn't. The southern kingdom of Judah, they also had a number of kings who were bad and wicked. However, they also have a number of kings who are listed as doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Hezekiah, who we're going to study this morning, was contemporary to the prophet Isaiah, okay? And you'll see as we go through this that he leans on the prophet Isaiah quite a bit. And the reason that I chose to do this Bible study through this life of Hezekiah is because I was reading through the book of 2 Kings a while back, 
and here's what I noted. After Solomon's kingdom was split, or after the nation of Israel post-Solomon was split into two, there were 12 kings in the southern kingdom of Judah before Hezekiah. He's the 13th, if I counted right. Six and a half of them were bad, and six and a half of them were good. And I say half because Uzziah started out good, but then he ended up bad, okay, uh, when he got filled with pride. But what I noted was that of the good kings before Hezekiah, this is what it says. This is what recorded. He, fill in the blank with the king's name, did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father or fathers had done. And then there's this word, except, or it will say, however, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. It is that word except that really got me thinking. Because I was thinking about, you know, if this was my name, Dave, did what was right in the sight of the Lord except. Doesn't mean I'm not going to heaven. Doesn't mean I'm not saved. But what is that except? Right? Maybe there's an except or a however or a but in your life. What is that thing, right? And it, and it says this over and over about the good kings, that they did what was right in the sight of the Lord, except. And it's like, oh, man, I, didn't, I don't want that except anywhere in my life. And so then I get to chapter 18, which we're going to look at this morning, to the life of King Hezekiah, and here we find answers. What we do when there's an except. And what we'll see is that Hezekiah is not perfect, he makes mistakes. Yet, note this about his life. He loves the Lord with everything that he has. So we're going to get to it. 2 Kings 18. Let's pray. Lord, help in Jesus' name. Okay. Now, it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, that's the, the king in the north, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. Check this out, what God's word says about Hezekiah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Notice this, he removed the high places. There's no except in his life. He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden images and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were before him. For he held fast to the Lord and he did not depart from following him. That should be underlined in your Bible. But he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. Note this, the Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified cities. Hezekiah is an awesome king. He is, 
He's taken this nation from broken and screwed up. Look at what his, his dad, if you turn back to chapter 16, maybe a page or so behind, chapter 16, verse 1, it talks about his dad, Ahaz. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Note about Ahab's life. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God, as his father David had done, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. Hezekiah's dad was a wicked man. But somehow, God got a hold of this young man's heart. And at 25 years old, when he becomes king, he does what is right in the eyes of the Lord. He says, forget it about my, what my dad did. I, I'm following after the Lord my God. And I'm doing not only partial what the other kings had done, right and good in the sight of the Lord, but except. Hezekiah said, no, except for me. I'm getting all this stuff out of here. We're going to do it God's way. Man. Imagine dads in your households. If you said, I'm following the Lord my God and I'm doing it his way. There's not going to be any except in my house. There's not going to be any however in my house. Imagine the impact you will have not only in your family, but in your community when you begin to do that. Because you're going to be raising up a generation of people who want to follow the Lord and do what the Lord calls us to do. And so finally, this guy, Hezekiah, there is no except. He just steps up to the plate and he does what nobody else had been willing to do up to this point. Now, what was he up against? How bad had it gotten? We read about his dad, but if you want, flip with me over to 2 Chronicles chapter 29. And, and you're going to get an idea of what was happening, what exactly. They give you, it's the same account, but they give you a little more detail in Second Chronicles. So beginning in verse 5, it's a, Hezekiah is talking and he says, Hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Just trashed God's sanctuary. For, your father, for our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him. They have turned your, their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule, put out the lamps, and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. So they're not doing any of the worship they were supposed to do. They've just got trash being stored in there. Therefore, check this out, the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation, to jeering, as you see with your eyes. Hezekiah is like, this is a problem. This isn't going to happen on my watch. We're getting this stuff out of here. These high places, the sacred pillars, the wooden images, all the related pagan idol worship is what this was for. Much of this pagan idol worship, as it does in our culture today, involves sexual immorality. What's sexual immorality? It's sex outside of marriage between a genetic male and a genetic female. Anything else is sexual immorality. That covers pornography, it covers homosexuality, that covers uh, sex outside of marriage. It's all covered. 
But that, that worship of those pagan idols involves sexual immorality and then also the sacrifice of their babies to these pagan gods. Right? Today we sacrifice them on the altar of abortion. Then they sacrifice them on the, the, the altar of Molech or some other god. It's a way to cover your sin. To have no responsibility. To pretend like the responsibility is gone. Okay? And then it mentions here that he got rid of the bronze serpent. In Israel's history, the bronze serpent was, was a big deal. Back in Numbers chapter 21... You can check it out for yourselves, but as the nation of Israel is wandering around in the desert, they begin to complain against God and to complain against Moses. And God sends these fiery serpents that begin biting and, and killing the people. And they, they come to Moses and they ask Moses to pray that God would take the serpents away. And Moses does, and then God tells him to make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And then he says to put that pole up in the middle of the camp. Anyone bitten by the snake, just look at the pole and they'll be healed. And can you imagine there was people who wouldn't look at the pole? But what was an act of faith for those people back in Numbers became an, an idol to the people in Hezekiah's day. They began to worship the object rather than the God who had healed them by their faith. In John chapter 3, Jesus uses that same example of the serpent on a pole as looking forward to him. It was supposed to be an example. John 3 verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then the verse we all know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. It was supposed to be an example, a picture of Christ. And they began to worship the image, sort of like in our uh, Catholic churches where they, they put Jesus on a crucifix. And it's, it's like when people walk in the door and they, see, they first see the thing and they drop to the knees and they do the thing. They, they're worshiping the object, not the God who it's to represent. So verse 5 Hezekiah, we note, he trusted the Lord. He held fast to the Lord, verse 6. He didn't depart from following him. Verse 7, notice the Lord was with him. You notice that he rebelled against the king of the Assyrians. The Assyrian king was basically like a mob boss coming to all these nations and taxing them. Hey, if you want us to leave you alone, you want us to protect you, then you're going to have to pay a tax. He said, we're not doing that. They subdued the Philistines, a perpetual enemy. They had the... The, Israel, the nation of Judah now has the Philistines sort of under their thumb, and they're not worried about them anymore. Verse 9, Now it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, the, king, the, I'm sorry, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of the three years, they took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is, the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in Halah and by the Habor, the river of Gozon, in the city of the Medes. Because, notice this, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, and they would neither hear nor do them. Failure to obey the Lord 
will lead to wipeout in our lives. Okay, whether, you're, whether you claim to be a Christian or not, it will lead to wipeout in your life. Now, what's happening here? The northern, first of all, the, the area of Samaria is taken by the Assyrians. So they're getting closer. They've been conquering nations, and they're getting closer to Jerusalem. They're getting closer to Judah. Then they come next. They conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. These are, whether they, they are the same kingdom or not, these are brethren, right? The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. They're all the nation of Israel come together. Now they've been taken. They're getting closer. They're getting closer. Do you think you would be getting nervous? Right? We got balloons flying over our skies. They say it's from China. Kind of makes people a little bit nervous. They're getting closer. China's always been so distant and far away. Now, they're not really a threat, but now balloons are flying over. That's kind of well, what's in the balloon, right? What are they taking pictures of? Why? Right? It's kind of scary. They're getting closer. They're getting closer. Just to, I'm trying to make it relatable, right? Now, as the enemy is getting closer, I'm sure the text is going to tell us Hezekiah is getting nervous Again, put yourself in, the, in his shoes. How are you feeling? As Christians, are we promised a life that is free of troubles? No. The Bible says the exact opposite. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will have a vacation in Hawaii? What does it say? Yeah, they will, will suffer persecution. I actually have a coffee mug that says that. But all who desire to live God, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Whoa. That flies in the face of a lot of the bad theology and doctrine we hear today. We're not promised a, a trouble-free life. And Hezekiah is going to end up with a non-trouble. Right now, things are going great. He's got enemies under his thumb. He's like to the Assyrians, nope, we're not paying you any tribute taxes. Well, things are going to get a little tougher. Verse 13, and in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Uh-oh, he's getting even closer now. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish and says, I wish, I wish this part wasn't in here, but again, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I'll pay it. Just leave us alone. Please don't come attack us. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and uh, 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord. No! And in the treasuries of the king's house... At the time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Oh, you just wish that part wasn't in there. But it's real. When we, get, when we become afraid, we do dumb things. Fear takes away faith. But it works in reverse too. Faith cancels out fear. Jesus told the religious leaders, to have faith in God. 
Not faith in all of the things I've done, all of getting rid of the accept and, and doing all the right things. I can't put my faith in that. I have to put my faith in the God who I worship. I can't put my faith in the stuff I put in the tithe box. I can't put my faith in the fact that I said a sinner's prayer or that I pray every day and read my Bible. Those are all great things that will help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. None of those things will save you. Jesus saves you. Period. Our faith is in what he has done. We're going through it in our small groups. Chris is going through it on on Wednesday nights in Galatians, it is by grace only that we are saved. Nothing else. So, Hezekiah has made a mistake here. 